Hey, everybody. Uh, David opposing the Matrix here. How are you tonight? Or this morning, as the case may be, seeing it's uh, quarter after 10 here on the Pacific Coast. Oh, you know what? We're always told to silence our phones. And guess who never pays attention? Me. Okay. It's silence now. I have a vested interest in silencing it tonight. So, um, man, what am I going to talk about tonight? I know, but I just want to know how to, um, how to present it because it's going to touch some people, especially if you have children. And, um, I have a whole bunch of emails coming in and they make this annoying noise and I hope you guys can't hear it on your end. I don't think you can. So, um, tonight we're going to, See, I've been presenting this stuff about children and, and the COVID vaccine and how it isn't right for a while now. And, and, uh, <clears throat> what I decided to do tonight is to, um, share some videos of other people who are doing the same thing. And, uh, because there's strength in numbers and because by knowing that other people are saying the same thing that I am, and I have to admit that a lot of the things that I get are from other people like this. So, you know, we have a web, basically. We we can um, we can catch people on our web, basically, is what I was going to say. I don't want to make it sound like we're trying to, you know, catch people and and eat them or anything. But you know, it's 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 a way to attract people. And um, if they know that I'm saying it, hey, I'm just one voice and millions of people online, right? But you have five or six or seven or eight or ten or twenty or fifty. Uh, the number grows and, you know, the, the message has more veracity. It has more truth to it. And it's easier to swallow, you know, if more people are saying it. And I found that like some of my relatives or my relatives through marriage and stuff, um, my relatives have basically given up on. They, they've taken a shot and that's it. <clears throat> and we'll just hope and pray that nothing happens to them. But um, there is a, um, and I didn't get that. <laughs> I was looking for a scripture in Leviticus, but um, it says that uh, basically you'll not stand by and watch innocent blood be shed. Okay. And I can't sit by and do that. Um, I was sharing with the brother today. By the way, I met Nita's brother today. I mean, I've known him, but he came over and we talked about some things. I'm not going to say where, he, where he's from or where he goes to church or anything like that. He, he's a private person until he wants to, you know, give it up and maybe even come on a show. Who knows? But um all of a sudden, you know, all I had to mention was rumble. And all of a sudden you could see the radar start to, to tune, you know, on, on him. And, and he goes, um, I take it that you guys didn't take the vaccine. And I says, no, and we're not going to. And he goes, Oh, good. Neither did we, you know? And so we started talking and he, uh, kind of talked about his frustration with trying to, to tell people about this and, uh, about the vaccine and why not to take it. And, how people at ch- as church, you know, didn't listen and, uh, you know, now they basically promoted it. And by doing so, when things start to go bad, you know, they're, they just didn't watch their innocent blood being taken. They, they participated in it, so to speak, you know, um, and understand me when I laugh at that, I laugh at stupid things. Okay. I'm not laughing that people were deceived. I'm laughing because of the stupidity of it. Okay. Anyway, um, so, Oh, we had a nice time. You know, he was over here doing some work and we, we ended up talking for, I don't know, half hour, 45 minutes after he was done working and, uh, about all this stuff. And, you know, you think you, you see people in church or anywhere and you think you know them and, 
and stuff. And then you find they, they come over and they add this whole new dimension that you never knew. Because you'll admit, you know, I'm sure that you're kind of quiet when it comes to talking about the vaccine and our mRNA and uh, the outcomes that are probably going to happen to people because they took the shot, you know, all that stuff. And so you're, you know, you're kind of leery about talking to about anybody. So it was funny how we were kind of like just taking little steps, you know, (laughs) and all of a sudden we met and, um, and it was neat to hear him talk and exactly like us, but he knows about all different kinds of cures and, and everything else too. So I'm going to be picking his brain about those things. And it would be really nice kind of to have him on here if he'd be willing to do that. Um, but I understand there's, there's political things at church that go on and, you know, you know, I'm, I'm that way too at church. I just kind of keep quiet because I, I don't want to use that scripture. It's not right, but, you know, I, I just don't want to throw stuff out there to, and then get trampled on, you know. Um, I want to give the information and the data to people that I think might accept it and would be willing to run with it, you know, and to and to avoid the vaccine because I gave them the information. Um, yeah, there's always people that will hear and they'll, they'll, you know, they'll huff and puff and and they won't they won't listen. But later on, they they finally do. I, I get that. But it's much easier to to talk to people. It's much easier to give a glass of water to to somebody that's thirsty rather than somebody that's just, you know, drank a big gulp or whatever, you know. Um, So anyway, it was really nice talking to him. It really was. And uh, and uh, I just I felt really blessed. I really, really felt blessed talking to him Um, tonight. um, Like I said, I'm going to be sharing some videos and I'm using a different program um, to it's a kind of an intermediate program that goes between here or between Mellon and, um, and what's, you know, going on live. And um, so being it's an intermediate program, I want to make sure that when uh, we start the videos that the sounds coming up, because the last time we did this, either I didn't check that box or this program interfered with the sound coming up, the sound coming from the system that is. And, um, and I don't want to do that again because that's two hours of my life. I don't want to waste. And, and then I have to get rid of it and then figure out another way to do it. So anyway, um, it's, uh, it's been real quick. It's been an interesting, interesting day. You know, in my life, when things go smoothly, I, I hate to say this because it sounds like I don't have faith and I do have faith. I think I have a lot of faith, but when something goes right in my life, I sit here and I go, okay, what's wrong? You know, what's going to go wrong? What's going wrong? And is there a possibility of something going wrong? So anyway, this whole thing that we've had selling our house has been too smooth, way too smooth. And um, so on the back of my mind, I've been sitting here the whole time going, okay, I, I, something's going to happen. I'm just going to wait for it. And then, and then the Lord will take care of it. Okay. So uh, things are running along really smoothly. And and then I talked with the realtor and he said, oh, he says, well, there's three things that the um, FHA needs us to fix before they'll give the loan to the buyer. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is it? I kind of knew what it was, but I, I, I questioned anyway. And Well, you don't have enough. You don't have an open area to get under your house. So things can be fixed. I said, yeah, that's a bad one. That's that's probably the most expensive one. Uh, and bear in mind, we just spent six grand putting a septic tank in. All right. So I'm kind of tapped out, but, um, 
you know, and really we're financially tapped out, but that's okay. Uh, we'll make it and he'll, he'll make sure we make it. I know he will, but, um, so what was the other one? Oh yeah. The, the shed, the building, the shed building we have, which is probably as old as the house. The house is 121 years old this year, almost 122. Um, <laughs> it's in fantastic shape for being that old. It really is. I mean, it's cocked a little to the side and, but the wood's strong on it. It's got good bones in it and everything else. So, um, yeah, they were, okay, well, you know, the paint's peeling, and so you need to paint it. Oh, okay, that's no, that's not a big deal. And Barbara and I got out there yesterday in the rain and painted, and, you know, it's under a big oak tree, so it was okay. didn't really get wet, didn't ruin the paint job. But uh, So we took care of that. And then the other thing is, is the well 100 feet away from the septic tank? And I do believe it is, so I'm not worried about that, okay? Um, so anyway, today uh, we were waiting for the fellow that I mentioned before to come over and help. And um, uh, so while we were waiting, I got into the closet. We have a little coat closet down at the bottom of the stairs uh, that go up to our bedrooms. And so I got in there and I, I took the carpet out and I noticed that there was plywood in there. I'm like, I'm going, oh yeah, maybe, maybe there's a, there's a hole there. Maybe there's a hole to get under the house. So my friend came over and he started tearing up the floor right there, you know, and sure enough, there was a hole <laughs> like, yay, here's a hole. Um, I don't have to spend a whole bunch of money. Well, you know, again, things are going too smooth, right? So, and believe me, I do have faith. I have lots of faith, but when it comes to things like this, I've lived 62 years and out of those 62 years, there's been a number of times where things seemed they were going smooth, but you know, they kind of caved in anyway. Uh, but I, I know that let the Lord take care of it. Okay. So my son-in-law came over today because the guy that, that did the job says, I'm not, I don't crawl under houses and I don't blame him. I, I don't do it either. You know, there's just too many things under there that, you know, it's, and, and plus my body isn't, isn't uh, limber as it used to be. And, and once I get under there, you know, they, I might die down there and they could just, you know, put up with the smell for a little while until I totally decay. And then that takes care of burial. Right. But um, just kidding, of course. But um, so he came over, my son-in-law did wonderful guy. Name is Evan. Salt of the earth really is like myself. He's a Jewish believer in Yeshua and um, he's awesome. Really awesome. I don't think my, my, da my daughter could have picked a better man to marry. They have a couple of kids together and she entered the marriage with three kids. So he, he took on five kids, you know, two of his own and three of uh, hers. And, and he's just handling it really well. And um, I'm really thankful for that. And he's the one we're going in on the house with. Um, but I digress and I might've divulged too much, but whatever. Um, so he came over, he goes, oh, I'll get under the house. We got under the house and realized that the part that they want access to, you can't get to from that part because there's a big, long cement curb um probably about i don't know how far it goes into the ground and it's uh uh i would say 18 20 inches wide and, and it only leaves about this much room for somebody to get through and um even the the tweakiest tweaker in our neighborhood wouldn't be able to get through that space so um anyway um so we went backwards we digressed on that one so two out of three ain't bad right um and uh so he happened to have a friend that he works with who's a contractor and 
And the way it looks is he's going to come over and build us an access to where they can get underneath and get to everything they need to get to. So, you know, it worked out really well. And, uh, I mean, it's yet to be done and everything. And of course it's going to cost, but Hey, everything in life costs something, right? Except for salvation. That's the only thing I could think of that comes free and clear without any hitches whatsoever. Um, so anyway, that's what's been going on here. And then, um, you know, so stuff's been going on with the son-in-law's house, you know, my daughter's house. Uh, not, not as much, but financially things are kind of weird, but, um, and then the house that we're purchasing, there's, there's some problems there, but they're not unfixable. So, um, anyway, uh, so that's where, we're, and that's what we've been going through. And plus I have net no unction to pack. Okay. I'm like, I'm sorry, but I'm tired. <laughs> I'm perpetually tired anymore. I don't know what that's all about. Frankly, I don't care. There's a lot to do around here, as you can tell. See all the books. So there's, there's a whole bunch of books over here. This is my bookshelf over here. It's, uh, it's got all my research books and everything else that I've used to research and some really good books, some hard to find books too now, but, um, so those will have to be put away. And then real quick, um, uh, I had a lot of fun and now it's fun back then it was a, you know, I was ready to reach through the phone and grab somebody around the neck, but uh, fi- uh, figuratively speaking, not literally. Um, but uh, we have a service for internet here. It's called uh, CenturyLink. <laughs> and I heard the moans. Okay. If you moaned, I heard it. Um, they've been good for us. Uh, we, when we moved here, we had 10 megabytes, but they upped it to 40 and it's been kind of nice. It really helps out with things like this, which might have to come to a, a screeching halt video wise uh, for a little while until we can get some kind of decent internet at the new place. We'll continue doing audios though. But um, so anyway, I called up and I, and these, these companies don't hire Americans anymore. Okay. That frustrates me. And, um, so the first day, the first guy I got, he says, uh, I said, here's the deal. I said, right now I'm paying $55 a month. I'm not renting the modem. Or if I did do, it's, it's included in the price and it's 55 and it's always been 55 and it's guaranteed not to go over $55 a month. I said, so what I would like to do is just transfer it over there if that's possible. Oh, we can't do that. We can't do that. You know, and I'm like, Oh, here we go. And Lord, give me the patience to put up with this guy. Okay. So, um, so I'm talking to him and he says, no, you have to cancel that service and start a new one. And then you're going to have to rent a modem, $15 a month. And so I said, that doesn't make sense to me. Why can't I bring the modem with me and not have to pay? And then he starts giving me this analogy about how if you live in an apartment, when you move from the apartment, you leave everything in the apartment. You don't take anything with you. And I says, believe me, I know this. I've lived in apartments most of my life. I said, but there's a hole in your analogy because if I were to leave my one my apartment and move right into the apartment next door, I'm basically taking everything with me. You know, um, yes, I'm changing my service, but there's not going to be a fee for, uh, you know, for for up or you know changing over and stuff like that. Um, all the electrician has to do is come out and take one meter and you know just switch the meters and stuff. So it's real easy. I said, so, you know, your, your terminal, your, your thoughts are flawed, sir. You know? So then he starts ter- trying to tell that to me again. And I said, you know what? I said, that's it. I said, I'm going to call back later and talk to somebody else. 
I said, because you're really starting to tick me off right now. You're patronizing me and I don't want that. Goodbye. And I hung up on him. Um, so I waited a two or three hours and I called back and um, I got this wonderful guy, American. I'm like, yeah, finally. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Um, I can't remember his name. Starts with an F. Anyway, Franco. Yeah, I think it might have been Franco, Frank. And so I talked with Frank and he was asking me all about the weather here. You know, we were just having a regular conversation. And he says, listen, he says, yeah, you do have to turn the modem in. <clears throat> and, you know, you'll have to get another one. But he says, I have a solution for you. He says, go to Best Buy or Walmart and buy yourself a cheap modem. Bring it with you. It's a DSL modem, too. So they're getting harder and harder to find. But anyway, um, he says, and when, he, when the guy comes to put your service in, tell him to keep the modem and get and tell him to hook up your modem. He says, and that way you won't be paying for a modem. I, hey, that's pretty good. And the thing that really ticks me off is I had a modem like this that I bought it um, at a Goodwill store. They have an electronic section. And I don't know what I did with it. I think I donated it back to Goodwill at one time or another. But um, so I got on last night and I ordered this the very same modem that I'm looking at right here. And so when the guy comes to put everything in, I'm just going to do what that guy said. And I just, I was so thankful because the other people wanted to argue with me, you know, and, and I don't like that. Don't come to my country and start arguing with me and don't be sitting in another country telling me what to do. Um, sorry, but I'm American and I'm free and whatever system you grew up under, I don't care. I, I, um, I'm an American. I've been an American since I was born. My father was an American. My grandfather was. My great-grandfather immigrated here from Italy. And most of my great-grandparents came from other countries in the late 1800s. So, and so I have nothing to do with slavery either. If that happened, hey, look at that, the hand in the hand. Anyway, um, so, anyway, that's, that's what yesterday, so anyway, it's, it's been building up and building up. But, uh, you know, it's, it's going to work out. So, I... With, with age comes maturity, they say, and in a lot of cases, that's true. In some cases, it's totally false because people are just idiots and they don't want to grow up. Um, you know, like the 70-year-old guy that's driving around in a Corvette and he's going at the track chicks. <laughs> I've seen that before. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I, we better get going on this or I've been you know talking for 20 minutes, so I apologize for that. But I just... You know, I don't want this to be a regular radio show where, you know, I'm sitting here talking at you. I want to be sitting here sharing with you because the things that I just shared, I know that at least half of you have gone through, maybe a quarter, and you can relate. Okay. And the ones that haven't gone through, you might go through it someday and you say, hey, Dave, on opposed to the Matrix, had that same thing. And, you know, you might even write me an email someday. Hey, this happened. Uh, what did you do? So. But uh, a number of people have said that watching watching the show or listening to it is like having me sitting in your living room or me and Brian, as the case may be. And we're all just talking together, you know, and uh, and I like that. It's it's something that's kind of unique to this this radio show. And uh, and I like it. And I'm going to keep it that way no matter what happens. Hell or high water. OK, so we will not change. So. Um, where do we go from here? OK. Um, there are two articles I want to read from, um, natural news and we'll go ahead and read those. And then there's some videos I want to watch. And this tonight's show has to do with children. 
uh, from ages five to 11, the FDA has said that um, it's okay for them to get the mRNA vaccine because of data they've received to that proves that it's safe. Well, the data came from Israel and it's not safe. Um, the, the numbers were fudged and everything else. And, and we'll, we'll see that tonight. And, um, so they're, they're, and, and notice how they picked that one. Well, obviously, because Israel is basically the laboratory for COVID, you know, to, for the COVID-19 vaccines to see how they work or the Pfizer one anyway. But I understand that Israel's going to go with a different manufacturer now. Um, because Pfizer really hasn't worked out because people have been getting sick because of Pfizer. Okay. Um, and you can't sue them. The best you can do is try another product. So, um, so we're going to uh, look at those articles and then there's some videos and stuff that are quite interesting, but it has tonight has to do with children and the fact that they should not be getting the vaccine. Uh, the fact that it can uh, affect them in a negative way. It has already um, specifically, and but not limited to um, heart ailments, um, pericarditis and um, um, heart inflammation. I just can't remember the word right now. Um, endocarditis. Um, so that being the case, it is a flawed vaccine. And somebody, I've heard this several times now, so maybe I'm supposed to mention it, but um, back when we had the last vaccine um, giveaway, I think it was in 2008. I think that was it. Don't get, I'm not going to, don't quote me on that. Okay. But uh, people were urged to go take the vaccine. It never became mandated like it is now. Um, and I think there was like 54 deaths or something like that, or 64, or eight. they might've just even been adverse reactions. And, the, and the, it was canceled. The, the, the vaccine was removed and nobody had to take it after that, or it was even, it wasn't even available to take after that. So, but now the numbers are in the tens of thousands, if not getting close to hundreds of thousands of people that have either died or had severely debilitating uh, effects from this vaccine. And it just goes to show you that, that uh, the people that are given it are, are intent on either killing us or maiming us. And now that they're going to give it to the children, you know, what's going to happen. It's going to destroy their sexuality. Not that they won't be boys and girls because they'll have that equipment, but because it's, it's gonna, it's gonna sterilize them basically. Um, and sterilized people cannot have kids, right? Uh, sterilized women cannot, uh, produce viable eggs and sterilized men can't produce viable sperm. And so it, what a way to, you know, first you attack the adults, the older adults. Then you attack middle age and then you attack, um, the twenties, thirties, something. Then you attack the teens and then you go after the kids. So you're, you're just wiping everybody out at once. So the ones that the teens or excuse me, the, the five through 11s that don't pass away, um, or, or get some kind of debilitating effect like endocarditis or pericarditis, um, they'll be sterile, uh, and they won't be producing children. And it's going to cause the population to go down like this. And, uh, and then Bill Gates is going to get his wish to where it might take a few generations, but, uh, to where the, um, the population of the earth will get down to 500 million so that he and his cohorts can feel comfortable that uh, humanity is living in harmony with nature, 
Okay. Uh, when Bill Gates dies, he, he's he better enjoy the harmony he's got now because when he's gone, man, it's it's not going to be pretty for him. Okay. Um, a lot of times when people do the devil's work, and I, I really do think he's doing the devil's work. I think he's a closet Satanist or a Wiccan or whatever, and um, he's he's playing on the devil's side and probably with the promise that he'll be rich and famous, which he is already. Uh, but, you know, the rich are never happy. They're never satisfied. Now that he's got all the money that he could ever use, uh, that, you know, a thousand people could ever use uh, or even more, um, now he wants power. And that's what happens when people get rich and they don't have power. They seek power. And uh, and that's what he's trying to attain. So, yeah, it ain't going to be pretty for him on the day that uh, he crosses over the Rainbow Bridge. I know that's a pet term. Um uh, another thing before we get started, have you heard the um, Let's Go Brandon thing? Um, I didn't even know what that was all about. And frankly, I didn't care until yesterday. I decided, hey, I'm going to see what that's all about. Um, I didn't know what it stood for. <laughs> um, and if you probably, most of you are probably light years ahead of me on this one. <laughs> but um, when I heard him yelling it it's from the stands in different uh, venues, you know, they were showing it on TV. I'm like, so big deal. And then I realized I found out it was the sports commentator that made a mistake of what she heard. And everybody picked up on that right away. It's uh, and then there's one video of Joe Biden doing it behind a podium. And I'm like, yeah, that's about right. That's about right. So anyway, let's uh, let's uh, do this. OK, so I'm going to go here and. Um, and I'm going to make sure. Hmm, I got two articles to read first. Okay, let me read the two articles first, and then when we get to the videos, I'm going to take my earphones off and listen to the live show to make sure that um, it's coming through that way. And if not, well, I'll have to make other plans. But um, what's this? Okay. All righty. So let's see. I'm going to go here. And the name of this article is, is, is and this, remember I was saying before, Israel's COVID vaccine efficacy. In other words, the the way that it works, uh, efficacy means um, if it's if it's working and how it's working. Uh, data faked. Group of Israeli scientists blow the whistle with severe concerns, warn FDA officials about COVID vaccines. Okay, it's different if the FDA didn't know the dangers or could even feign not knowing the dangers, but when they're warned by other scientists, fellow scientists and politicians not to do it because it can, um, not to use that, this um, Israeli uh, data uh, because it's flawed and they still use it, then then it's purposeful, okay? Um, uh, I'm trying to think of an analogy. You can... Um, you can walk across a busy. You can walk towards a, a very busy roadway, and think, okay, I'll wait for cars to go by and and uh, take a chance. Or you, somebody could walk up to you and say, well, anyway, if you got hit going the first way, then it's your fault. But if somebody, it's your fault totally. Uh, but if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, don't go that way, it's not an ignorance thing anymore. Okay, the first time was an ignorance. The second way you've been warned and you're doing it anyway, that's purposeful. 
okay? And that's what uh, we're looking at here. We're looking at purposeful negligence, okay? And it's all because they want this thing to work because the drug companies are making buku bucks on this. You know, we're talking about uh, now it's getting way up in the billions of dollars, okay? And uh, and plus they're doing the bidding of their, their um, Agenda 21 um, keepers. So anyway, let's see. I read the title. It was uh, placed on the Internet Wednesday, October 27, 2021, and it's just natural news, of course. And the author is Ethan Huff. And I always like to read the um, the tags because some of them are pretty funny and and all of them are applicable. So we got bad health, bad medicine, bad science. Boy, did that wrap it up. Um, BioNTech, COVID, empty shelves, FDA food chain, FDA supply, Israel, Israeli professional ethics front, Pfizer, pandemic scientists, severe concerns, vaccine injuries, vaccine, world's laboratory. Okay, let's move on here. Natural news. Our Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 vaccine, safe and appropriate for humans and especially young children. According to Israeli professional ethics front, IPEF, the answer is no. The group of independent physicians, lawyers, scientists, and researchers say it expressed severe concerns to, uh, to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration about the reliability and legality of official Israeli COVID vaccine data, which has more than likely been tainted by Big Pharma to support its profit agenda. Uh, let me stop there for a second. I read a few weeks ago, uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, two or three, and it was saying that one of the head doctors in Israel is a Pfizer employee. <laughs> uh, you know, talk about conflict of interest, right? But he's going to put out anything that he can in order to to get the, the results that he wants, and he's not going to be opposed to do it. So Israel has appointed one of the Pfizer employees to be the head doctor in Israel. So that shows, goes to show you right there that don't trust this report, right? Um, let's see. Recognizing that the Jewish state of Israel has largely been the world laboratory when it comes to the Pfizer-BioNTech injection, specifically the IPPEF wants action to be taken to at least protect the youngest and most innocent among us from the these questionable injections and the questionable people that are pushing them, I should add. Um we believe that the significant failures <clears throat> underlying the Israeli database, which have been brought to our attention by numerous testimonies, impair its reliability and legality to such an extent that it should not be used for making any critical decisions regarding the COVID-19 vaccines, the IPEF's letter to the FDA read. That concerns me. I would have sent an emissary instead of sending a letter. Letters tend to disappear but I'm not going to say that this one did. They probably read it and just ignored it. Subtitle, much like America, Israel is fudging the numbers to make COVID jabs look better. Coming just ahead of the meet, of meeting between expert advisors and the FDA, the IPEF letter challenges claims by Pfizer-BioNTech that, um, <clears throat> that its jab is safe and effective for children as young as five years old. Israel's official data and reporting on this replete is on this is replete with failures. The group says it warns about the following key problems with the uh, official numbers that are being used to justify injecting mere babes 
with toxic mRNA, messenger RNA poisons for the Operation Warp Speed. Uh, bullet point number one, a lack of public and transparent reporting of se severe or excuse me, serious adverse events. Uh, bullet point two, severe impairments in healthcare professionals using use of the official's use of uh, official vaccine adverse event reporting systems, the VAERS system. Uh, bullet point number three, distortion of the available data, including the deletion of thousands of citizens' responses to a post by the Israeli Ministry of Health. And we'll talk about that in just a second. And number four, uh, various legal and ethical violations in the data collection process. Um, there was a, uh, a Facebook um, post that was placed on the, uh, again, on the um, Israeli Ministry of Health uh, Facebook page that uh, talked about there were no adverse effects. Well, <laughs> it really got out there because um, I think 40, 50 or 60,000 people replied to that saying that that was BS and that there have been, and uh, they they talked about their relatives dying, their relatives getting sick and debilitated and everything else. Well, I guess Israel was trying to delete those posts as fast as they were coming in. And there are some people that took uh, screenshots of all those posts and have been, uh, they've been sharing it online. You can find it if you look in, if you go to DuckDuckGo, don't go to, don't go to Google search, go to DuckDuckGo and, um, and just type in whatever, um, Israeli uh, reporting system, uh, Ministry of Health, and uh, and you'll have things pop up that will truly amaze you um, and maybe even make you sad because it's, they're taking the truth and they're, they're quashing it. Let's continue with the article. Following a thorough analysis of the Israeli government's data collection practices, the IPEF's concern were reinforced by the significant doubts about the reliability of the data reported by Israel and the subsequent major concern that their use might be misleading and thus disrupt the decision-making process pertaining to the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccines. In other words, there is a um, conflict of interest. Okay, next paragraph. This is a serious accusation, and one that does not come lightly. The IPEF has clearly done its homework it is now working, or it's now doing the right thing, excuse me, uh, no matter the cost, to warn about the inconsistencies and other problems with the Israeli government's approach to the Wuhan flu and shot reporting. Quote, we believe that the significant failures underlying the Israeli database, which have been brought to our attention by numerous testimonies, impairs, impair its reliability and legality to such an extent that it should not be used for making any critical decisions regarding the COVID-19 vaccine, the group further wrote. The full text of the letter is also available on Facebook. Um, if you go to this article, uh, Natural News, um, again, it was posted on 1027, um, and you look at it, there's a link here for it. <clears throat> Usually these links are so long that trying to read them takes longer than the show. <laughs> Okay, I'll continue. The IPEF went on to quote the book of Leviticus, which says, do not stand, there it is, do not stand by idly, stand idly by while your neighbor's blood is shed. And quote, in the spirit of the, these words, we implore the committee to take into consideration our urgent warnings and to adopt utmost precaution when referring to the Israeli data concerning the safety and efficacy of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccines. 
the group added to its letter. Okay. Meanwhile, the FDA is scheduled to approve the Pfizer-BioNTech jab for children aged 5 through 11, claiming that it will analyze the myocarditis risk after approving the shot for, the, for this demographic. Isn't that stupid? Remember Nancy Pelosi um, when it came to uh, Obamacare? Well, we have to vote for it so we can see what's in it. That's the same thing. That's the same stupidity. God, I, I get wroth with this stuff. I'm, okay. And it says to keep up with the latest coverage about Chinese uh, virus injection protests, be sure to visit chemicalviolence.com. Chemical violence is all word, one word. I'm going to really start going to those sites that they, they suggest. Okay. So we got scientists, lawyers, um, doctors, and what have you uh, from Israel saying, hey, there's something wrong with this data. Don't believe it. Okay. So what's the FDA do this week? They okay the vaccine for 5 to 11. But we were warned about that. Remember? Remember that uh, doctor that uh, oh, it was a few shows back? He got on there and said, he says, look, they're going to okay it. And when they do, you're going to have to look and see what these kids start coming down with because um, all the signs of Guillain-Barre si uh, disease or syndrome uh, will accompany what these children are going to get. And um, he said it's going to they're going to say it's some new kind of polio. And you hear, heard it here. If you didn't watch the other thing, you heard it here first um, that they're going to claim it's uh, related to polio or or it is a new strain of polio. And that it's um, it's coming back and making a rise, uh, making a return. Excuse me, and that it's um, uh, more of a reason to get vaccinated. And it wouldn't surprise me if they'll they'll try to push the polio vaccine again. Uh, the problem with medicine is they don't try to make a cure; they they treat symptoms. You know, um, and of course, you know, here we go with big pharma again because if they made a cure then Big Pharma doesn't sell medications for people that have the uh, the disease, right? And the side effects that they're treating. Um, so anyway, it's it's a wicked little game. It is, but uh, wicked people do wicked things. And uh, one of the titles that I put in for this, um, this show tonight uh, that is going to um, Twitch is that um, demonic people and other um, evil entities – other fallen entities have seen to it that the, the COVID uh, shot should be given to five to 11 year olds. Um, folks, don't, don't do that to your kids. Okay. Please don't do that to your kids. There are hope. If they remain unvaccinated, there are hope that we can regain what we were losing right now. Okay. Please, please, please don't do it. Um, yeah. That's all I can say. You know, don't sterilize your kids. Let them grow up and and have a happy and healthy um, teenage, you know, adolescent and teenage life, and and then young adulthood. Let them be able to get married and have children, and and um, and to, and have what we have or had. Uh, this the whole thing's going to turn around someday, and uh, when it does, and things are done correctly again, you know, I'd like to see at least young children have, have, uh, give us a hope for the future, so to speak. So anyway, let's go to the next article. Uh, it's also from natural news. FDA declares biological war on children with final sacrifice of the innocent. Interesting title. Um, 
Okay, it was it was posted Thursday today, October. Yeah, it's still today, uh, October 28, twenty twenty one, by Ethan Huff. The tags are biological war, children, COVID, evil, FD, FDA. Boy, those two go right together. Uh, sac- final sacrifice, genocide, innocent, and vaccination. Okay, just the the keywords, just the tag titles, just describe the whole article. Anyway. Natural news, yeah, and an anonymous vote of 17 to 0, 17 to 0, folks, they're all in on it. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration's FDA Vaccine Advisory Panel has recommended that the agents, the agency officially authorize the emergency use of Pfizer-BioNTech Wuhan coronavirus COVID-19 vaccine in children ages 5 through 11. The FDA does not have to abide by this recommendation. But chances are that it will because it because there really has um, never been a chemical injection that the agency has not wanted to stab in people's arms, no matter how dangerous. Well, hey, the truth is the truth, right? Um, in fact, the FDA workers over time. In fact, the FDA the FDA works over time to get dangerous and ineffective vaccines approved. Uh, when they injure and kill your children, the FDA covers it all up and pretends as though nothing was wrong. If or when the FDA approves the Pfizer-BioNTech injection for children as young as five, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, the other demonic organization, I'm putting that in, by the way, it's not in the article, uh, will then issue an opinion on its own about the matter. Well, we know what that opinion is going to be. That's That's not a... There's no even guessing at that. It's, they're going to be pushing it because they work for the big pharma and hey, there's more money to pad their pockets with, right? Back to the article. According to reports, children between five and 11 years of age would receive a modified injection that contains only one third of the amount of vaccine per dose. Children 12 years of age and older will continue, continue to receive the full doses. And you're going to see in a little while, pardon me. Um, that uh, this is a bad choice and there are people that are fighting against it. Anyway, uh, subtitle, FDA voting member says he has he had to vote in favor of COVID vaccination for little kids in order to find out what it does to them. Uh, isn't that bass awkward? That's not scientific, folks. That is not scientific. That is more of a philosophical decision these are supposed to be scientists oh pox on these people many poxes on these people i i pray in the name of yeshua that they come down with worse things than covid and that within a year's time they're not, they're not around anymore because they're evil and wicked and they they're fighting against children we're going to see later that uh god's got a special place in his heart for children that's why we we believe and we know that children that are aborted um before the age of accountability, go straight to heaven. I mean, it doesn't make it any better that they're being sacrificed and murdered, but the fact that they get to go to heaven without even making a decision for for Yeshua uh, just shows God's love and, and mercy for, for children. Um, and I think up to maybe including the age of 13, which I think is the age of accountability when you become a man or a woman biologically. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm so pissed about that, that subtitle. Um, 
Okay, I'll continue. When asked why he voted in favor of the recommendation, one of the FDA advisory members revealed that we're never going to learn how safe the vaccine is until we start giving it. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. This just. I've always been taught to trust science, and now I see science is garbage and. Yeah, they're they're making they're pushing me farther and farther away from believing that they're viable and credible people, um, and that other scientists aren't speaking out against it because they're afraid of their jobs or whatever. That's just even worse. Um, okay, I continue. In other words, nobody really knows what these things are going to do to society's youngest members, and the only way to find out is to start experimenting, experimentally injecting them with mRNA spike protein vials. This is similar rationale to the ones to one once given by the political dinosaur Nancy Pelosi when she asked why she voted, there we go, in favor of passing Obamacare. I didn't read this before, so um, since nobody actually read the legislation, Pelosi infamously stated the Congress had to pass it in order to find out what was in it. Okay. Uh, I hope it makes you scientists feel really intelligent that Nancy Pelosi is right on par with your intelligence. Um, put that in your pipe and smoke it for a little while. Okay. By recommending that young children get jabbed with experimental big pharma chemicals that will permanently alter their DNA and leave them with damaged immunity, the FDA uh, vaccine advisory panel is waging biological war against our nation's youth. It would seem as though this could be the American government's last abominable move before God Almighty himself intervenes to protect his innocent creation from being genetically butchered by Tony Fauci and his fellow death worshipers who would love for nothing, nothing more than to inject every last human soul with the chemical poisons. The whole, the whole thing really does seem like some kind of ritual child sacrifice to the branch Covidian God. This is good. Um, Who appears to be demanding the blood of innocence in order to quell his fury the more children, the more children whose parents agree to get them jabbed, the happier their God is, which means uh, fewer other COVID restrictions, such as lockdowns and mass mandates. Uh, if you're doing this, if you're giving it to your kids so that you can get the mandates to go away, yeah, yeah Tony Fauci's fate is going to be yours. Um, all 17 board members who voted to approve this thing need to hang, wrote one commentator in Zero Hedge noting that the study they used to justify their yes votes was only two months long and proved absolutely nothing based on how it was constructed. This is meaningless statistical noise, always known as also known as lying with statistics, the same commentator added. Okay, the study isn't large enough to, de- to detect any extreme rare side effects, such as the heart inflammation that occasionally occurs after the second dose, Mostly in young men and teen boys, the study itself further revealed that about its uh, major shortcomings. The government wants Chinese virus injections to be repeatedly stabbed into everyone's arms, probably until the end of time. To keep up with the latest, visit chemicalviolence.com. Okay, there's two plugs for chemical violence from um, Natural News. Okay, I'm going to go there after the show's over. Okay. Now, I want to read to you. Oh, wait a minute. Not yet. I almost did this. Okay. 
there's um here's a little video we're gonna watch and it's children wrongly given COVID vaccine develop heart issues, say family. Nordic countries stop Moderna. They stopped Moderna because of it. Okay. <clears throat> this guy we're about to listen to, um, he's awesome. He uh he's on um Rumble and his name is Tim Cast, and it looks like he has a radio show. And I'm giving him credit because I like what he says. I agree with him. Um, and we need to start sharing these things uh, between each other, uh, researchers and those of us who are fighting the war against government tyranny. We need to start sharing this stuff so that his message gets out through me, my message gets out through him. Um, then all of his followers get my message, all of my followers get his message, and people get educated. So uh, thank you, Tim Cast. Um, and, you know, God bless you. And uh, we, uh, we look forward to working more with you and, and hopefully you with us. So um, I'm going to like your channel once we, I get done here and, um, and we'll go from there. Anyway, um, let's listen to what Tim Cast has to say. Uh, he's got some very insightful things. And, um, well, let's listen. A family says they went to go get flu shots, but were instead accidentally given COVID vaccines. The reason this story is so serious is that the family consists of some young children who received adult-sized doses of the vaccine. And the parents say these children are now experiencing heart issues, and they had to bring them to, to a cardiologist. Now, normally I see a story like this, and I say, look, adverse events happen. That's why we have the VAERS system, vaccine adverse event reporting system, so that if something bad happens, you know, you report it and we can check for patterns. In this instance, it seems to be an accident. Someone accidentally gave kids the wrong medication. This is more of a malpractice thing than a, you know, widespread vaccine issue. But here's where it gets interesting. And the reason why I thought this should be talked about, it's not the first time it's happened. In fact, I pulled up two other stories that are similar, but these, but not exhaustive. People are telling me that in Puerto Rico, Children are accidentally being given the vaccine. I have this story. Check this out. Four-year-old accidentally receives COVID-19 vaccine. This one in Maryland. I believe the other, other stories in Indiana. And then we have this. Salem teenager claims CVS gave her six doses of the COVID vaccine. I'm showing you these stories not to complain about the, vac the vaccine. As I said, this is about malpractice. Then I want to show you this story. And this is the important one from Fox 5 Atlanta. FDA says Moderna's vaccine benefits outweigh risks after Nordic countries limit use. That's right. I believe Finland, Sweden, and Denmark have all put restrictions in place, and Iceland has outright halted Moderna. The FDA says the benefits still outweigh the, 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 the negative consequences, which are rare. This is why I, I want to read you these stories. This is, what's this is what's important. Talk to a doctor. Talk to a doctor, please. You know, don't come to me and be like, you know, oh, you know, my doctor's dumb because then you got a dumb doctor. And if you got a dumb doctor, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't have a dumb doctor. You should go find a good doctor. The point is when people go to Walgreens or 7-Eleven parking lots and just get, you know, okay, you know, give me a shot. And you don't know who the person is and you don't trust them. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying you don't trust them. Like, you, you, I'm saying like you don't know who they are, so you have no trust at all. You just don't know them. Accidents can happen. And I'll put it this way. If more people found a knowledgeable, like news active doctor who's following the stories, who's following the studies, who does their job, we would be all much better off. I'll tell you what I hear a lot of. 
I hear a lot of people saying, Tim, my doctor says just get the vaccine. You know, it's what we have to do. And I'm like, I didn't tell you to ask your doctor for their political opinions. I, I told you to go talk to a doctor about what's right for you, meaning talk about your, your potential health, uh, um, you know, any, any underlying conditions, uh, talk about any adverse reactions you may have had in the past, and then go through the risk factors and then make your decision. I'm not saying to just blindly go to a doctor and say, gee, doc, what's your political opinion on what we should be doing? And then you talk to a doctor about medical issues, because when you don't do it right, these stories can happen. And these stories, in my opinion, actually, I think, make people more adverse to the vaccines. And I want to stress something out, uh, stress something as well. I think a lot of people are ignoring the real issue with vaccine mandates, and that is social credit systems. We'll talk about this in a bit, but I'm, I think the bigger, I don't think the vaccines are the issue. And you don't have to trust me because I'm not your doctor. You can, by all means, just go and talk to somebody else you think is better than me. Hopefully they're a medical professional, but let's read. From KWTX 10, COVID vaccines given to family, including small kids instead of flu shots. From Indiana, members of an Indiana family who went to get flu shots, including two children, were accidentally given adult doses of the Pfizer coronavirus vaccine, their attorney said. They said it happened Monday at a Walgreens pharmacy. The family of four includes two adults and children who are four and five years old. The Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine is only approved for people ages 12 and older. The companies are seeking approval for use in children ages 5 to 11 with the U.S. FDA. Now, they said they had gone to a Walgreens. Okay. Now, I go to Walgreens when I have a prescription that needs filled. I can understand people wanting to go there to get a vaccine. But I think this is why it's so important that people, whether it's, you know, look, you talk to your doctor. You get sound medical advice, you get your prescription, you go to your pharmacy, and then you double check. You ask and ask. Never be afraid to ask to be sure. They go on to say, Pfizer and BioNTech proposed a, do uh, a dose one-third the size of adults uh, for ages 5 to 11. They have not yet sought permission for approval for children 4 and younger. The family's attorney, Daniel Tully, shared what he says of the vaccination cards given to the family by Walgreens. They show the children born in 2016 and 2017 were given the vaccine shot. The family said they left the pharmacy thinking they had received their flu shots, but a Walgreens employee later called them and said they had made a mistake. The attorney said the cards were then issued since the coronavirus vaccine had been given to them. You don't get a flu card? Come on. Tully said the children have been taken to a pediatric cardiologist, and the family was told both are showing signs of heart issues. The family said the younger uh -oh. child has been sick with a fever and a cough. Walgreens has not responded to a request for comment by Friday evening. You can see these, these are the photos. Now, this is the story that's kind of pissing a lot of people off and scaring them, noticing, noting that there's heart issues. Well, this is why we do tests. This is why kids are not approved for this as of right now. And this is very serious considering there's, I think in California, they're saying K through 12 mandates. That, look, they say uh, the vaccine is only approved for people ages 12 and older. Kindergartners cannot be getting this. At least according to KWTX. So in California, I think it's California where they're like K through 12. What These kids can't be getting this stuff. How can you mandate that? Check this one out. Maryland. A Maryland family found themselves in a scary situation. Their four-year-old girl ended up getting the COVID-19 vaccine by mistake. According to Victoria and Martin Oliver, the family was in an area Walgreens intending to get their annual flu shot when the mix-up happened. Young Colette volunteered to go first. After getting the shot, the pharmacist realized the girl was given an adult dose of the Pfizer vaccine. How did this happen in two different places? Two little girls. The accidental vaccination left Oliver, uh, Olivier sorry, with a lot of questions. 
such as would their uh, daughter need to go to the hospital? Would there be side effects? The Olivier family says it does not plan to ask Maryland regulators to investigate. Fox 45 News got a statement from Walgreens said, who said patient safety is our top priority. Events like this are extremely rare and we take this matter very seriously. We are in touch with the patient's family and we've apologized. Our multi-step vaccination procedure includes several safety checks to minimize the chance of human error. We've recently reviewed this process with our pharmacy staff in order to prevent a future occurrence. Okay. Okay. I'm going to break in here and I got to voice my opinion. I'm sorry, but it's my radio show so I can do that. Um, I've, I worked in pharmacy for 25 years. Okay. 25 long and arduous years. Um, And I know that just like everybody else, pharmacists are not immune from making mistakes. And as a matter of fact, there were several times when I caught pharmacists that made mistakes and I had to walk up to them discreetly because I like them. And if I didn't, I walked up to them kind of loudly, but uh, that's something I have to repent of. But anyway, uh, I would walk up to them and say, look, you know, you, you, you put these pills or the tech put these pills in here and you okayed it. You know, this is obviously not the medication. Oh, thank you so much for telling me, you know, and man, I can't tell you the number of times that that happened. Now, technically there are only two people that can, that can give medications. Well, two types of people, there's doctors of all different kinds. Okay. Um, can give medications, not people with doctorates, the PhDs, but Real doctors, medical doctors, um, and not all medical doctors either. Well, I guess a chiropractor is not a medical doctor. But anyway, um, so doctors and nurses, okay? And nurses fall into two categories, RNs and LPNs, or LVNs, no matter where you live. Um, LPNs are allowed to give medication because we've been trained how to do it. And, of course, RNs have, you know, they're like the super nurses, and um and I say that with a lot of respect because I like RNs. I've worked with a lot of them and had good relationships with them. Um, and I know that they know what they're doing. I know they get frustrated because doctors make mistakes sometimes and they have to correct them and actually constantly have to correct them. But, um, <clears throat> and doctors are very rude towards nurses and they shouldn't be because the nurses saved their butts a bunch of times. But anyway, I don't feel comfortable with a pharmacist giving an injection. And if I went to Walgreens and they found out the pharmacist was going to give it, I'd turn around and walk out. Okay. A pharmacist went to pharmacy school. He did not go to medical school. And yes, while technically I can give shots because I'm an LPN, uh, I've been trained how to do that. I sat in classes where we learned how to give medic, uh, medications via um, injection, uh, how we had to train to, to insert IVs and everything else, you know, and, um, Pharmacists don't have to do that. At least I don't think so. And uh, so let's, I would feel more comfortable if there was a nurse in the pharmacy giving it to people, you know. And another thing is that when, when nurses give uh, injections, and we practiced this at my last job, uh, I work for the state hospital. If I go to give an injection, I have an RN in there with me. And if an RN was given it, she had me in there, he had me in there just to verify because uh, we a lot of times we gave insulin, and that's a really critical one. But there's a, once you give an injection, it doesn't come out. You can cough up a, a pill. You, they can pump your stomach and get rid of it. But when it goes in your blood, in your arm, there's no getting it out. And 
So you have to be extra careful. You have to have a two-step, like this person mentioned, this guy uh, reading here uh, from Walgreens. But um, who's going to be there to check the pharmacist? Obviously, there's not a nurse, so the nurse would be given the injection. So is he going to trust the pharmacy tech to, to verify? Well, I, I wouldn't. And I was a pharmacy tech for a number of years. And I wouldn't feel comfortable checking what a pharmacist was giving either. So anyway, that's a flaw in the system. And that's why Walgreens is having problems. Either get a nurse in there. Uh, I mean, a quality nurse, not just somebody that, you know, walks in off the street and has a nursing uh, license, but somebody that has given medications uh, via injection a lot. You know, there's a lot of retired nurses that would love to come in and do stuff like that, you know, uh, RNs. So get them in there doing it. Um, anyway, that's what I wanted to in inject that into our, into our conversation, so to speak. And, and uh, that's Walgreens. That's where you're running into problems. You're taking a busy pharmacist who, can barely keep going because I've been in those little, those, uh, those pharmacies in Walgreens and other places. And it's usually one pharmacist and one tech, maybe two techs because one's taking care of the drive up window, which shouldn't be allowed. They shouldn't be allowed to have drive up windows. There's too many mistakes that can happen. And, um, uh, but, uh, so the pharmacist is trying to check prescriptions that the tech is filling. And at the same time, he's got three or four people that are waiting out there to get their injections. Yeah, there's going to be a mistake because you're asking one person to do the job of two or three people. And uh, so Walgreens, you know, open up the pocketbook and get a nurse in there or, or even a retired doctor, you know, somebody that has the credentials to give medications via um, injection. So anyway, I'll, I'll turn this back on. And we'll listen some more to this guy. Let's talk about this. This story is from September 28th. The other story at a Walgreens, October 8th. Wow, Walgreens, you sure did a good job. Listen, I want to stress this. These stories are going around. This one about the Salem teenager getting six doses on accident. Wow. These are, these are outliers. You need to make sure that you're not looking at one-off incidents and believing it's a pattern. Okay? I'm not trying to tell you what medication to get. I'm not trying to tell you I'm not a doctor. But I am saying this. We see these stories go viral. You know, I'll tweet them out. And people will be like, Tim, why are you tweeting this story and not any stories positive about the vaccine? Well, because overwhelmingly, most people don't seem to have complaints about it other than their arm was sore. Yeah. So when you get stories where it's like, hey, Walgreens twice now has accidentally given children, four-year-olds, an adult dose of, a, of the COVID vaccine, maybe, you know, we should warn people about that, right? Well, let's talk about what's happening in, in the Nordic countries, because this is where I think we have some really important updates. FDA says Moderna's vaccines benefits outweigh risks after Nordic countries limit use. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration reiterated its stance. The benefits of Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine outweigh its risks on Friday after several Nordic countries began restricting its use for certain age groups due to concerns about a rare heart-related side effect. The FDA responded after health officials in Finland said Thursday that males under age 30 should not receive the Moderna vaccine due to a slightly higher risk of developing myocarditis and inflammation of the heart. A day earlier, Sweden said it would pause the use of Moderna's vaccine for people under 30, while Denmark paused use for people under 18 and Norway recommended people receive the Pfizer vaccine. Quote, the FDA is aware of these data. 
At the time, FDA continues to find the known and potential benefits of vaccination outweigh the known and potential risks uh. of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine, an FDA official said in a statement. The Nordic countries based their decision on an unpublished study set to be reviewed by the European Medicines Agency's Adverse Reaction Committee. Sweden's public health agency said the study found an increased risk of side effects such as inflammation of the heart muscle and pericardium, though it noted the risk was very small. Now, this is important to understand. We are not Nordic countries. I am interested to see the uh, left that often touts the Nordic countries as the bastions of good medical care and what they would say about the Nordic countries' decision to limit the use of Moderna's vaccine. More importantly, what they would say about Iceland. Iceland halts Moderna jabs over heart inflammation fears. This story from Medical Express. Iceland on Friday suspended the Moderna anti, uh, anti-COVID vaccine. Anti-COVID vaccine? citing the slight increased risk of cardiac inflammation, going further than its Nordic neighbors, which simply limited use of the jabs. As the supply of Pfizer vaccine is insufficient in the territory, the chief epidemiologist has decided not to use the Moderna vaccine in Iceland. The decision owed to the increased incidence of myocarditis and pericarditis after vaccination with the Moderna vaccine, as well as with vaccination using Pfizer-BioNTech, the chief epidemiologist said in a statement. For the past two months, Iceland has been administering an additional dose almost exclusively of the Moderna vaccine to Icelanders vaccinated with Janssen, a single dose serum marketed by America's Johnson and Johnson, as well as to elderly and immunocompromised people who received two doses of another vaccine. Can I just stress, do you trust these countries more than you trust the FDA? I mean, that's that's a simple question. Yes. And more importantly, I think you need to understand what it means when risk out, uh, when, when benefits outweigh risk. What they're saying is, and they need to be more more specific because the risk here of myocarditis is, as we know it, to be extremely low. But it's a risk you should be informed about, period. So when you go to a doctor and your doctor says, you know, and you're like, hey, doc, what's the risk? Should I get this? Do I need it? And they say, we all got to play our part. Okay, that's not a, a medical answer. That's a political position. I don't know what that means. But I've heard people say, it. Okay, okay, no, doc, here's my age. Here's my age group. Here's, you know, my considerations. Here's my medical history. What do you think? And the doctor should say, here's the risk factor to someone your age. And and right now, based on your health, here's what I would say. And the doctor probably would still recommend it. But by all means, second opinions are a normal thing. In this instance, what they're saying is, there's a chance if you are an under 30 male, you will get heart inflammation. We have seen these stories. That's, That's a reality. What they're saying is, if you know, X amount of people get this, X amount of people will be more, or Y amount of people will be more protected. So which one is worse? Now, here's the problem I have with that logic. First and foremost, I honestly don't think that applies to an individual's right to choose. If you go to a doctor and you tell the doctor, hey, doc, I'm a healthy 30-year-old male. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm fit and strong and eat right. I don't smoke. I exercise every day. And the doctor says something like, well, you should get it anyway because the risk of myocarditis is low. The question I have there is, well, hold on. Is the risk of myocarditis getting the vaccine, that's independent of your risk to COVID. And so even though the risk of myocarditis is very, very low, why should you take the risk on a political medical choice instead of a medical medical choice, right? Right. If your chance, uh, if your doctor tells you this, is what I'm saying. I'm not telling. I, I'm not going to tell you percentages. I'm saying if you go to the doctor and the doctor says you have almost no chance of getting sick and, and dying from this, so you're fine. Well, then why assume any risks any other any other medication? I'm not saying doctors are doing this, but I, I'd imagine some probably are. The point is, when they tell you that the risks 
uh, are not a, the benefits outweigh the risks. What they're telling you is there is a chance. Now, in the end, you need to understand. I think if you look at the data, we can see that if you're over 40, well, then you've got very you've got a substantially higher risk of dying, catching and dying of COVID. You really need to make sure you're talking to someone you know and trust. We've had a lot of conservative guests. We've had a lot of mandate critical guests coming on the show on Tim Kessler tell us, you know, they're older, they're over 40, they're 50, and the doctor said you should probably get it. I know a lot of people like to talk about waning efficacy and booster shots and all that stuff. So far, what we know, what we think we know, and especially if you trust the establishment, you know, medical industry or, you know, FDA, it does provide protection. I know we've seen the Israel study. I know we've seen efficacy low, dropping, and that's why they're recommending booster shots for immunocompromised people. But it looks like, I think for now, Pfizer seems to be like basic, I guess. No, no vaccine's perfect. Man, you really got to watch out for the political opinions, my friend. The left and the establishments, everything they're saying about vaccination is all political, that everyone should just do it. I'm like, dude, the last thing any of us want are you to get, you know, let's say you've got an allergy to a certain thing. You pull up to a parking lot. No, you need to make sure they know all of this stuff. And that's why I'm like, I wouldn't go to a park. I go to a doctor I know and trust and ask them to take care of it all. You know, tell me what you think I should do. You know, have your clinic be the one to provide it to me in a safe environment. I don't like the idea of going to strangers for any kind of, of drug or whatever. And the, and the left made this weird thing where they were like, pharmacists give medication all the time. I'm like, I know, I don't care. What? Right, your doctor gives you a prescription. You go to the pharmacy. They fill out. They, they can fill out your pharmacy. Just make sure they have your history. Don't go to a random place. Talk to people because that's, that's, that's what I've been saying. If, if people keep, you know, if, if you want to get the vaccine, that's fine. I don't care. That's my issue. The mandates are wrong because it should be your choice, and you can you can think anything you want about them. When they mandate them, it's a problem. When people then go blindly and just go to a parking lot and get a shot and then get an adverse event, or a child does, it creates negative stories, which just fuels the political nature of what's going on. The, the issue for me is vaccine mandates, not the vaccines themselves. There's going to be new medications all the time. They're constantly going to be treating new things and people are going to be eager to get treatment for these diseases. I think it's absolutely insane that this has become a political issue, but there is good news. I won't just leave you hanging, my friends, from the Daily Mail. Unvaccinated people have up have an up to 97% reduced risk of contracting COVID-19 as more of their family members gain immunity through vaccination or infection. This is a, a, stu a study has found. Researchers found that four to five members of a family having some sort of immunity reduced the likelihood of infection by up to 97%. Yes, my friends, it's called herd immunity. Yeah. And the CDC has already done a study uh, of over like 1.3 million people taking blood tests and found that around what is it, like 80% of people have have some immunity, which means we should be at around or getting close to herd immunity. And with this new study, okay, Joe Biden, how about y'all stop the restrictions, stop the mandates, slowly ease out of them, start to bring the economy back and we'll get things back to normal. Yeah, well, they can never let a good crisis go to waste, I suppose. So this is what we're dealing with. Even though we have this really good news, I think it's likely that the US, the Democratic states especially, don't care. Daily Mail says unvaccinated people are less likely to contract COVID-19 if members of their family have some sort of immunity against the virus. Researchers from Umia University in northeast Sweden found COVID vaccines not only protect people who have received the shot, but others around them as well. If an unvaccinated person within, within a five-person family unit with the four other members having received the jab or acquired natural immunity, their risk of contracting the virus is reduced by 97%. There was also a direct correlation between the share of family members vaccinated and a lower risk of infection. 
The results strongly suggest the vaccination is important not only for individual protection, but also for reducing transmission, especially within families, which is a high risk environment for transmission. Researchers who published their findings in JAMA Internal Medicine on Monday gathered data from 1.7 million people across 814,806 family units in Sweden. Each family was made up of between two and five people. The team used infection and inoculation data to determine how many people within each household had some sort of immunity from the virus, whether through natural antibodies from infection or from having received the vaccine. All of the households included in the study had at least one family member that did not have immunity, and researchers calculated their likelihood of catching COVID. Now, there are a lot of people who are like, Tim's a shill because he promotes the vaccine. I got no opinion at all. I don't care. I think if you want to go to the doctor and get Lunesta or any other drug, it has nothing to do with me. I don't know what's going on in your brain. I don't know what's going on with your blood. I don't know what's going on with your cough. I got no idea, and I can't give you any advice on it. I don't know what the Lunesta, you know, I, you've seen those commercials, all like, go sleep better or whatever, and there's a butterfly at night or something. I don't know what's in it. I don't know what it does. I know people who have taken it. I know people talk about funny things with, like, waking dreams, or maybe I'm not thinking of Lunesta, maybe I'm thinking of something else. But anyway, the, the, the point is, yo, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to sit here and be like, I read a blog, and they said they don't trust it, so I'm going to tell you, I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, you can't come to me for that kind of stuff, because I ain't going to tell you. I can tell you freedom. I can tell you freedom. The individual has the right to choose. And if the individual chooses to risk their lives, it's them. There was a funny post from these leftists and they were like, uh, I, my individual right to not get vaccinated, huh, like my right to not wear a seatbelt. And then you're going to get in a car accident. And I'm like, yeah, you have a right not to wear a seatbelt. Oh, I know. I know. Click it or ticket. They made it illegal a long time ago to not have a seatbelt on because seatbelts save lives. I often wonder if this was just lobbied for by the insurance companies because then they have to pay out less. But the way I see it is like, dude, if you want to smoke cigarettes, smoke cigarettes. If you want to drive a car, drive a car. If you don't want to wear a seatbelt, well, you do it. Well, you know, you got to follow the law. But my thing is like your risk is your choice. And we can't keep pushing for a world where we're trying to regulate away any and all risks. What, what, what are we going to do? You can't live in rural areas because there's bears. Would bears exist? What, what, what are we supposed to do? At a certain point. We are seeing more and more government action over preventing any and all kinds of risk. And the individual has to make a choice for themselves about what kind of risks they're willing to take and make. That's my position. Now, when it comes to going to a doctor, I think the reason why I always say you should talk to a doctor, for one, it is true. YouTube like basically requires it. But more importantly, minimizing risk. Let's say there's two people. One person's totally healthy, but, you know, they're a little older. So the doc, they go to the doctor. The doctor says, you're a little older. I would recommend a vaccine. The next person says, I'm going to go to a 7-Eleven parking lot. Uh-oh, this person has like Guillain-Barre syndrome. They should go to a doctor first. And the doctor might be like, well, you've got this underlying condition. Maybe you should hold off. Because as we see from this other study, if people in your household are getting vaccinated, you will still have a low chance of getting COVID. And that's a good thing. It's all around good. The problem we're facing is that Democrats are weaponizing fears over this. They're rallying advertisers to then pull off content, all the big tech companies panic, and never let a good crisis go to waste, they say. So as long as we continue stuff like this, as long as we give in to fear, instead of accepting our personal responsibility, it's going to get worse for everybody. Despots will take advantage of this, and then you will not know freedom. You'll forget it. It'll be the new normal. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash TimCast. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. Well, that's pretty interesting. He spoke a lot of truths. 
<clears throat> there was a couple of things I didn't necessarily agree with him on, but you know, that's what, <laughs> that's what life's all about. That's what makes America so great. You can agree to disagree, but uh, for the most part, he was right on. And uh, his thing was uh, choice. It's your choice, you know? And I've used those analogies too. If you want to smoke, smoke, if you want to drink, drink, as long as it doesn't affect other people. Okay. Uh, don't drink and then go out and drive. Don't smoke in a place where your smoke might go in other people's lungs and cause secondhand smoke and the damage that comes from that. So it's, um, it's all about loving others as much as you love yourself. But, um, yeah, he brings up a good thing about herd immunity too. You know, it's, uh, and there's, there's even more evidence now that people that are, that have had the common cold recently are, um, more immune to the COVID bug than people that haven't had the common cold. So there's some kind of, um, some kind of, uh, method that the body uses to fight. Uh, let's just say, uh, sorry, was that the common cold is SARS-1? Uh, and it makes antibodies to fight SARS-1, but those antibodies are also uh, a little bit effective on SARS-2, which could make you that you don't have that, you don't get the, um, you don't get the COVID. So anyway, there's a lot of things to, what science tends to do is they tend to lump everybody into one category. Okay. Uh, let's take cholesterol, for instance. Okay. Some people, there's a village in Italy, somewhere in Italy, I can't remember exactly where, the people have ridiculously high lipid content in their in their blood, high cholesterol like you'd never seen before. Yet they all live to be in their nineties and hundreds. Okay, so giving them a, a statin could actually be detrimental for their health. Okay, so don't lump everybody that has high high cholesterol or even just a little bit of a high cholesterol to take a statin because that's what you're supposed to do. You can't lump everybody into one category. It doesn't work, never has worked, and it's detrimental to a lot of people that uh, that don't necessarily have. Here, here's a case in point. My dad, okay, um, he he loved olive oil, okay. Uh, being Italian, that's something that's, you know, common. He would take anchovies, dip them in olive oil, and eat it. That was not my forte. I couldn't even be in the same room. Same with anchovies. I like anchovies, but on a pizza. But anyway, he would take anchovies, dip them in olive oil, and eat them. He would take a little glass, put olive oil in it, and drink it, okay? I've done that before. It's kind of good, actually. I like it more on bread. <clears throat> but um, when they when he died and they did an autopsy on him, they found that he had very low amounts of um, uh, hardening of the artery, um, <clears throat> very low um, damage to his arteries because of cholesterol. And that's because he, he liked his olive oil. And it's been proven that olive oil fights against cholesterol. <clears throat> so to each his own. You know, what, what's good for one person isn't necessarily good for another. And if science would just quit lumping everybody into one category, maybe this would be a better world. But um, I digress. So let's see what we got the next one here. Oh, this is a good one. Okay, folks. Um, it's a semi-long one, but it's really good. This guy's awesome. And... Um, Sacrificing children's health at the altar of the prof of profits, and profits is spelled like money making profits, not spokesmen for the Lord God. So um, ignore these two faces over here. Matter of fact, when I make this large, those will disappear, and I think we'll all be glad. 
So, okay, so let's watch this one. It might be on a uh, little bit of a long, might be a little bit long, but I think it's the last one we're going to watch. So, um, so let's go with that, and um, and then we'll discuss it afterwards, and then bring everything to a close. Okay, here we go. Three, two, one. Close. So I knew for my own. Okay. You know, challenging. Let's go back here and start it. Is uh, minimally expressed. Expressed means available or produced or or or. Numerically, it, 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 it is numerally, it is numerically, there's a low number of the ACE2 receptor on in the nasopharyngeal pathway, particularly in nostrils of children and young children. And there's, there was this clear ACE gradient in their, in their study that showed that the older person gets the more ACE2 in the portion of the, the human being in their nostril, nasopharyngeal passage. So, why is that important? Because normally, when you get infected, when, when, well, when the virus first comes at you, uh, this virus or other respiratory viruses, they land in the nostrils, in the, in the oral cavity, etc., and, and the process, the infection process begins there. So, so the issue is that, um, well, if children didn't have such, uh, if children had such a low level of ACE2 receptors, that began to explain why children didn't readily, were not readily getting infected and uh, be, beginning to seek a more severe disease. And um, it, it is a very credible part of the discussion because the reality about it is when you add that piece to the piece by uh, right other researchers, Lois Katal, who also showed that the upper respiratory tract of children were preactivated or primed with um, innate immunity, with, with, with an immune uh, posture that, was, that, was, that left it very nimble and proactive in terms of its response to subsequent to exposure to SARS-CoV-2. And you added that to the research by Yang et al., who found in the blood of children that they had collected uh, before the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic emerged, they found um, uh, B-cell immunity that helped explain from prior coronavirus exposures. Because common cold, common colds uh, give us protection, cross-protection, cross-reactivity to the SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus, so much so that Labert et al., they did a study of persons who um, survived from SARS-1 in 2003. And what they found is that when they looked at their blood, they, they looked at these people 18, 18 years subsequent, um, they found that their immune system still reacted to the SARS-1, but they also found cross-reactivity cross to SARS-2. So it, it opened our eyes that um, these coronaviruses, when you expose prior and you develop an immune response to it, you develop a cross-protection that protects you against other coronaviruses. And that also helps us understand why so many of the world's population so many people around us have not gotten infected or gotten ill from COVID, or, and they will never, because they are immune, and that has been the argument. Tamara Ugolini here for Rebel News, and as we hear increased talks of Pfizer seeking Health Canada approval for their experimental injection in 5 to 11-year-olds, I wanted to touch base once again with Dr. Paul Elias Alexander. He is a 
extremely qualified expert in the field of health research, data analysis, epidemiology. His resume goes on for miles. He has experience within the Public Health Agency of Canada, Health Canada, the WHO, PAHO. He was former senior COVID advisor for the Trump administration. Without further ado, we are going to discuss his opinion piece titled, Dear Pfizer, Leave the Children Alone. Here is Dr. Paul Elias Alexander. So the issue right now is we have an urgency, and an urgency globally, particularly United States, Canada, Great Britain, countries that we deal with on a day-to-day basis. We have family, friends, etc. But we're concerned globally. The issue here is that Pfizer has made an application to the FDA for them to consider vaccinating, um, inoculating children 5 to 11 years old. Now, when they had the booster meeting at the FDA um, last month, uh, I was one of the scientists that appeared that gave uh, a three to five minute uh, testimony, um, rebuttal as to why the boosters were not needed. And if you recall, the, the group came back with a 16 to two decision against. So I have also applied to the FDA to appear on October the 26th with other scientists to make the argument of why these vaccines should not be considered for children and why they're potentially dangerous. So I'm negotiating with them back and forth to get a slot, a five-minute slot, because it is a premium. But I've also submitted written submissions similar to that op-ed. So basically, the idea is this. Um, children bring near statistical zero risk to the table, and we know that. Children don't normally get infected um, readily, and they don't spread to other children to adults, they don't take it home readily, and they don't get severely ill or die. And the the issue is that um, Dr. Marty Macaria, Johns Hopkins, his group, um, they looked at the deaths, the children who were given a diagnosis of death out of the United States, uh, 350-odd children since the beginning of the pandemic, who the CDC, et cetera, they have designated that these deaths were due to COVID. Dr. Macaria and his group are questioning this and saying CDC has not been forthcoming as to if this was causal or incidental. And they did a deep dive into these deaths to see what the situation was with these 300-odd kids. Now, every death is tragic and devastating. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't know if I could lose a child, how I'd be able to survive. So it is, this is crushing. But we need... These people talk about the science, but they don't follow the science. They cherry-pick the science and they bend the science to their will and they create an understanding of the science. The CDC quotes studies that when you go back to the study and you look at it, you realize it doesn't even pertain to what they were just speaking about. So you, the listener, thinking, well, the CDC or the NIH, these are upstanding, high-level scientists, but they're con- constantly misleading and lying to the public. So Dr. Macari and they looked at the deaths, and they found that in not one instance, not one instance was this a child that was not absent of underlying challenging medical conditions. And, and we see the same situation play out in the United Kingdom and even in Canada, where a vast majority of the deaths of children are children who've had underlying medical conditions. Obesity is one, and this is something that the society doesn't discuss. Now, specific to your question is this. I wanted to know, well, why? Why has the epidemiology mm-hmm. over the last 19 months, going to be 20 months, shown the children don't get readily infected and they don't transmit this. There must be some reason. The data was clear, settled across 20 months across the world. 
And what I did was I, I, I started to do different research into possible different research groups to see if there's a molecular or is there some underlying biological reason. And what I found was, so I knew from my own, you know, training and, 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 and science that the ACE2 receptor is a receptor that sits on the surface of our cells, our epithelial cells and our endothelial cells. So like the endothelial cells coat the surface of your blood vessels, the epithelial cells coat the surface of like a respiratory tract, etc. And th this receptor normally plays a very key role in our body, in our function, in um, fluid balance, blood pressure control, in terms of moving salt across the membrane, how much salt you retain, how much salt you recreate. This is vitally important to our survival, and it's throughout the body on our cell surfaces. Now, what I found was that in a seminal research by Patel et al., they showed that the ACE2 receptor is uh, minimally expressed. Expressed means available or produced or, or, or numerically, it, it, it is numerally, it is numerically, there's a low number of the ACE2 receptor on in the nasopharyngeal passage, particularly in the nostrils of children and young children. And there's, there was this clear ACE gradient in their, in their study that showed that the older person gets the more ACE2 in the portion of the, the human being, in their nostril, nasopharyngeal passage. So why is that important? Because normally when you get infected, when, when, well, when the virus first comes at you, uh, this virus or other respiratory viruses, they land in the nostrils, in the, in the oral cavity, etc., and, and the process, the infection process begins there. So, so the issue was that, um, well, if children didn't have such, uh, if children had such a low level of ACE2 receptors, that began to explain why children didn't readily, were not readily getting infected and uh, be beginning to seek related more severe disease. And um, it, it is a very credible part of the discussion because the reality about it is when you add that piece to the piece by uh, some other researchers, Lois et al., who also showed that the upper respiratory tract of children were pre-activated or primed with um, innate immunity, with, with, with an immune uh, posture that, was, that, was, that left it very nimble and proactive in terms of its response to subsequent to exposure to SARS-CoV-2. And you added that to the research by Yang et al., who found in the blood of children that they had collected uh, before the SARS-CoV-2 pandemic emerged, they found um, B-cell immunity that helped explain from prior coronavirus exposures. Because common, cold, common colds uh, give us protection, cross-protection, cross-reactivity to SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus, so much so that Labert et al., they did a study of persons who um, survived from SARS-1 in 2003. And what they found is that when they looked at their blood, they, they looked at these people 18, 18 years subsequent, um, they found that their immune system still reacted to the SARS-1, but they also found cross-reactivity cross to SARS-2. So it, it opened our eyes that um, these coronaviruses, when you expose prior and you develop an immune response to it, you develop a cross-protection 
that protects you against other coronaviruses. And that also helps us understand why so many of the world's population, so many people around us have not gotten infected or gotten ill from COVID, or, and they will never, because they are immune, and that has been the argument. And that kind of dovetails, I'll come back to it with a recent op-ed I also wrote, where I made the argument that, that natural immunity is, is not only equal to vaccine immunity, it is far superior to vaccine immunity. And there were people always toying around with a few studies here and there. But I looked deep into the literature and the science and the evidence. And I pulled together 1991 studies and pieces of evidence to show that natural immunity is way superior than the vaccine immunity. And the, the reality about it is that the public health officials at CDC, NIH, even in Canada, at Public Health Agency of Canada, Health Canada, Dr. Noon, Dr. Tam. I'm not getting personal with anyone, but I'm talking the facts here. These people know in their immunology training, they were taught this in medical school. The natural immunity is far superior than the vaccine immunity, and natural immunity is robust and lifelong and durable. Vaccine immunity mirrors, tries to mirror the natural immunity. So mm -hmm. for them to come out there and not recognize natural immunity and push this vaccine mandate, etc., and passport is illogical and it's absurd and ridiculous and it flies in the face of immunology. Yeah. And they know very well, very, very well, that natural immunity is far superior. So much so that before they brought the vaccines out, they cherry-picked some studies globally and put it out that, oh, well, those people who had natural immunity, uh, they're, they're losing their immunity over the next months and therefore they're losing their antibodies and the immunity is waning. They lied. They have lied to the public because they knew that your immune response, your natural immunity is not only your antibody response. Yes, antibodies wane, but they also knew as part of your immune response naturally, there's a cellular immunity composed of your B-cell immunity and your T-cell immunity that is lifelong. And those, particularly your B-cells, they create long-lived bone marrow plasma cells that are quiescent in the bone marrow, and they come alive. So I may test, I may test your blood and see that your antibody level is very low or non-existent, but you have B-cell and T-cell immunity that's quiet. And if you were re-exposed to SARS-CoV-2, right. because you're already naturally immune, those B-cells would ramp up and churn out antibodies again that will zap them and then go back to sleep again. And these people know how the immune system works. So they're very disingenuous and mislead the public when they discuss that the vaccine immunity supersedes the natural immunity when they know it's false. So let me just conclude with my theory that we must consider our children already vaccinated and we must not touch them with these vaccines. Because when you combine the limitation of the ACE2 in the nostrils, the oral nasopharyngeal passage, all of the good work by Loos, Yang, there's also work by Weisberg and Faber that show that the T cells in the children's blood are very naive and, 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 uh, and uh, unchallenged yet, but in such a way that because they are untrained, that they actually are in a position to respond very proactively and very nimbly to SARS-CoV-2. So collectively, 
the evidence made me understand, and I, and I, and I wrote that, and I shared it, and, and, and actually many scientists across the world have come back to me and support. This makes a lot of logical sense because it gives a molecular explanation as to why children are, are, are immune to begin with. Now talk to me though how that natural immunity and these biological, biological reasons for children, children to, be to be immune, immune actually, actually can cause them to be more susceptible, more susceptible to vaccine reaction. Well, I mean, here's the key. Here's the key. We had a study in 2008, 2010, where researchers looked at the blood. It's published in SIDRAP. And they found that people who were exposed to Spanish influenza, the Spanish flu, in, 20, in 1918, they found that their blood near 100 years after was still reactive to the Spanish flu of 1918, wow. that they were still immune to it, showing that our natural immunity is lifelong and for, for keeps, one and done. Now, here's the key. Here's the issue here. If I understand what you are asking me, you are saying, so what, what is the issue? Well, well, I mean, if I am naturally immune and I already have protection, so let's say if children are already protected, they likely already have natural immunity. They have a, an innate immune system that responds robustly to SARS-CoV-2 and, and, and other viruses and other infections, etc. If you vaccinate them and you layer vaccine immunity on top of natural immunity, we have approximately six studies now that have been published, one by Raw, one by Kramer, and one by Matiodakis, etc. Six of them in all the shows that vaccinating someone who's already naturally immune, it's an error to not test your immune status before vaccine. You run the risk of more likely ending up in the hospital because you increase the risk of, of, of adverse reactions yeah. to, to the vaccine. And mm. there's a lot of good research out there by persons, top immunologists and virologists, probably like Dr. Gerd van den Bosch, et cetera, Dr. Yeadon, Dr. Robert Malone, that... The, by, you, the, the broadness of your natural immunity is such that it's non-specific mm -hmm. and it can react to anything coming at it. Because remember, your, your natural immune system doesn't just look at the spike that's on that the vaccine codes for. The natural immune system reacts. It builds an immune memory to the, to the envelope protein, the nucleocapsid protein, the spike protein, all of the epitopes, all of the binding areas and proteins on the viral ball, as well as everything that's conserved in the virus. So you can have mutations in the spike, but the conserved areas, your natural immune system keeps responding to and keeps some memory. So when you right now vaccinate someone who's had exposure, who has immunity, and you put this very specific, narrow spike, specific immune response, what you are doing is you are actually credible, smart people, and some of the science is beginning to show that you are actually suppressing the natural immunity in lieu of this specific vaccine immunity, and it leaves the person very vulnerable, so much so that, remember, the present vaccine is coding for the... Uh, Wuhan strain, which is the original February-March 2020 strain of the virus. 
we are dealing predominantly 99% the Delta variant. So the vaccine cannot hit the Delta. It just cannot. So you are actually suppressing a natural response that mm -hmm. could deal with the Delta and you are sidelining it, down-regulating it for a very suboptimal, suboptimal vaccine response, your immune response. That is why in Israel and in Britain, etc., there's so much breakthrough infections and, and the majority of people who are being infected now have been double vaccinated. Not only that, they're getting very ill and they're ending up in hospital and, and there are many deaths. In Britain, they're reporting that 70% of the hospitalizations and the deaths that are occurring, 70% are due to people who've been double vaccinated. This is a very, very serious problem. And, 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 the, yeah. and, the, and the people, the leaders in the public health in Canada, look, Tomorrow they're going at this like how they did with the lockdowns and the school closures. We knew very quickly after April, May, that these lockdowns were catastrophic and they were causing harms and deaths. Yet how did our governments in the provinces of Canada or the federal government, the United States, how did we respond? These people in these task force and these advisors, they decided, well, we're not even going to broaden the table and hear alternative viewpoints to be informed. We are going to do more. We're going to harden the lockdowns. We're going to extend them. But that's what they're doing with the vaccines now. It's illogical what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and we've seen at the risk specifically of myocarditis and pericarditis in, in youth. So I interviewed a data analyst, Kelly Brown, a few weeks ago as well. And he's been dissecting the raw public health Ontario data. And he's found that the incidence rates of myocarditis goes up as the age range goes down. And so in those 12 to 17 year olds, um, there's an astronomical incidence rate of like one in 5,200 post Pfizer second dose. In your opinion, will we see that incidence rate increase as we go and target these younger five to 11 year olds? Well, this is the thing. The reality about it is, and you know that myocarditis is not rare as the public health officials try to say, or it's not mild. These children are set up, these young people today, we may give you support and, and help you recover from the bout today, but the heart myocardium, the muscle is scarred for life. It is, this is not rejuvenate. And these are people who 20, 25 years down the line, when they're 30, 35, 40 years old, this, the, 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 the cardiac reserve that you lost, the ability for the heart to pump and work properly, comes knocking then because you are older and it shows up and there's a lot of people who die 20, 25 years down from myocarditis in the, in the youth. So it's a very serious issue. And I'm saying, and, and I want to, you see, I don't want to use the words will, I want to use the words may, and I want to use the words potential. But here's the key. When we look at the data today in the United States, because Canada, we are not doing proper surveillance to inform the Canadian people of what's happening. But if you look at the United States, suboptimal surveillance, because the various database, the CDC's database, captures 1%, some argue as much as 10%, still only one-tenth. But right now we have 17,000 deaths. So if it was, if, if really it's 10%, you're talking about 170,000 technically could have died post-vaccine. So our argument, my argument is this, if COVID has spared our children, if COVID has resulted in limited uh, sequelae, severity and death to children so far, 
And we can explain it by the, by the lack of ACE2 receptors. Children just don't have the biological apparatus to be readily infected, etc. The immune systems come primed and ready to deal with this issue, particularly with the multiple common colds they have year in, year out. It has protected them with cross protection. This is a fact. The innate immune system is robust. If we introduce now the vaccine into the shoulder, into the deltoid, we are bypassing this natural protection they've had up here in the nostrils, in the oral nasopharyngeal passage. And we are introducing the vaccine. And we have people like Dr. Hoff, Dr. Brittle, all of these smart people. We've had the science that shows us that 75% of the vaccine leaves the injection site and enters into the systemic circulation. And we have the evidence now that we're finding the spike, we're finding the messenger, messenger RNA in the circulation. So it means that the level of death that we've seen in adults, older persons, post this vaccine, one, two, five, seven days post-vaccine, we are going to see in children for the first time. The deaths that, that we have been spared from COVID, we are going to see now in children. And the question that a parent must ask is this, and I'll end because I know your time is a premium, so let me say it this way. So how I look at it, COVID-19, the disease, carries a level of risk for myocarditis. We know that. But the vaccine carries a level of risk for myocarditis. We know that too. Both carry risk. The question for you as a parent is this. Does this vaccine, which carries risk of myocarditis and pericarditis, add to the risk that COVID would? Had my child gotten COVID, etc.? Does this vaccine give me enough benefit that it will override the risk of myocarditis it brings? Should I allow my child to be infected with COVID, etc., and, and naturally be exposed versus take this vaccine? But right now, we know that the risk for children is so low across the board. So, and, the, and the vaccine brings no benefit to them. So what is the reason for you? If the benefit must outweigh the risk for you to take this vaccine, and if it confers, if it offers no opportunity for benefit and only potential opportunities for harm, then you have to lean on the side of avoiding the vaccine. Because you could set your child up for disability and death that they would not, they could face it normally and overcome it. We even have early treatments that, that can work and works on the children. We have the early treatments. So we have ways to deal with this. Does not have to be this vaccine. And Public Health Agency of Canada, Health Canada, uh, Priya Sharma, Howard New, Theresa Tam, not one of them yet have prosecuted the case to you as a Canadian parent as to why your child should get this vaccine. They have failed to do this. And it is not that simple as bring your child and just give them the vaccine because it's now available. You need to understand the risks here and it could be catastrophic. Yeah, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because again, just wrapping up, at the end of your article, you plead with regulators to do this proper risk versus benefit analysis and slow down and make sure that we get this right. I mean, especially yes. if the manufacturers aren't liable, how do we bring back liability and accountability to the table to make sure that these people are doing their do jobs with due diligence? 
Well, the problem tomorrow is to end, to end as you said. Here's the problem. Uh, President Trump uh, signed the PrEP Act in the United States that gave the vaccine developers, FDA, everybody involved, immunity, liability protection. This was a catastrophic failure on his part. And I'll be blunt. I worked in... Um, let me interject something real quick. <clears throat> they received their immunity from prosecution way before President Trump. Okay, I don't know where this guy got this information from, but uh, they received immunity back in, uh, I think, the 1990s for, for vaccines and have not been culpable to any uh, damages uh, resulting from vaccines. So it wasn't President Trump. Okay, so let's proceed. It's public knowledge. And I supported him. I did. I think that is one of the greatest mistakes that he made. He absorbed for children, for children. Now, I know the vaccine developers, so we wouldn't spend our money. We wouldn't bring nothing to market if we have liability. That's an argument we could we could have and I still don't agree with that but with children you can't leave the children disexposed and I've been pleading with President Trump openly in every interview I do I've written I've asked he needs to come to the table and tell these people put liability protection on the table and remove it if you Dr. Fauci and Dr. Walensky if you Teresa Tam Dr. Tam uh, Dr. New in, in, in Canada in fact if, if this Prime Minister if this Prime Minister Trudeau thinks that these vaccines are safe for our children, will then step to the table and remove liability protection. That is the only way you can gain confidence in parents. Remove the liability protection. If you refuse right. to remove liability protection, it's because you know that these vaccines have concerns and you cannot vouch in child for them. So then why I, as a parent, must, must, must sacrifice my child on the altar of your profits, your vaccine developer profits. Put liability on the table and remove it. Now, Dr. Paul brings up great points about uh, the risk versus benefit analysis for the rollout of this injection in, again, 5 to 11-year-olds. Some of you may remember that I filed a freedom of information request with Health Canada when they approved this injection for the 12 to 17-year-olds. That was back in May of 2021 after I interviewed physician, ER physician, Dr. Mark Benoit, because he was sounding the alarm bell stating that this isn't an emergency for children. And so we should not be using emergency use authorization to push forward this injection full steam ahead for children in these age groups. And now they're coming for the five to 11 year olds. So I want to remind the rebel viewers that I have this freedom of information request in with Health Canada, and I specifically ask for the quantitative risk versus benefit calculation that justifies the use of the Pfizer injection in adolescents aged 12 to 17. Now, this should look like a math calculation. It takes the risk of death from COVID for this age group would be X per 100,000 children per year and the risk of death from immunization for this age group is Y per 100,000 children per year. And this comes to some sort of calculation, uh, typically a percentage, and that can give you and inform your decision on whether or not the risk of natural infection outweighs the benefit or the perceived benefit of the injection.
Stay tuned as I follow this report for Rebel News. I'm Tamara Ugolini. That, folks, was excellent. It was superb. Bravo. Bellissimo. Okay. Um, I, I don't even need to recap what, what they said because it was so plain and everything. Basically, uh, children have a natural immunity towards it because they don't have a lot of um, H2 receptors which is what the virus uses to, to um, move throughout the body. And <clears throat> giving them uh, the vaccine is going to tear up their, uh, their immunity and it's going to make them sicker than they would normally get, which they wouldn't because they're, they're more or less immune to it already. So it's, it's truly an act of um, genocide, giving the children this. Um, and if it doesn't kill them, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sterilize them. Uh, and it's going to ruin any chance of this uh, the human species in the United States and maybe even around the world from reproducing. Yes, they'll bring the population down like Gates wants and, and some of the New World people want and the New Agers. But at the same time, um, it's going to lead to a, a death of the species, of our species. Um, now, we know that's not going to happen because of, if we read Revelation and can follow that, we know that <clears throat> there are other things that are going to kill off mankind. Um, not all of mankind, uh, a third and then a third of a, th- uh, a third of the two thirds that's left. So uh, anyway, we can get into that another time. But I just want to read a few things here. Okay. In Deuteronomy, it said, and, and with the, what the, we used to happen in ancient times, especially in Canaan, well, all over the world, I think, um, was uh, these so-called um, false gods would um, demand a sacrifice of children because children are innocent. And sacrificing an innocent person um, gives the demonic world power or the fallen angelic world, as the case may be. Um, so the people that lived in Canaan at the time used to sacrifice their children to a, a god that they called Moloch. And, uh, what they did is Moloch was a uh, was a, basically a cast iron or a bronze uh, statue that was hollow on the inside, and they used to fill it up with wood and light it on fire, and uh, and then it would glow red hot, and they would place the children in the red hot hands of Moloch, and that was called causing your children to walk through the fire. So, um, and we're equating uh, causing the children to get a vaccine the same way, and like the guy called it a a, a sacrifice on the altar of the prophet p-r-o-f-i-t so while the god might not be the same the act is the same okay and in the times of moloch it was the parents that brought the kids and the parents are going to be bringing the kids to get the shot so there's a lot of correlation a lot of um a lot of things that are similar between the the two different uh, cultures and the two different practices which really aren't different they're the same so um in Deuteronomy, um, Yahweh is uh, addressing this, and he says, uh, There shall not be found among you any one that maketh his son or daughter pass through the fire, or that useth divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits. That's having seances and playing with Ouija boards, folks. Or a wizard, or a necromancer, a person that 
talks to the dead. Okay. For they, for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord or Yahweh. And because of the, these abominations, the Lord or Yahweh, thy God, doth drive them out from before thee. Uh, thou shalt be perfect with the Lord thy God. Um, let's see. And I think that's all I wanted to. Oh, no, no. Um, and all these nations which thou shalt possess, hearken unto observers that of times and to diviners or diviners. Um, but as for the for thee, Yahweh thy God shall not suffer thee to do so. Yahweh thy God will raise up to thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of the brethren, un, like unto me, Moses is saying this, unto him that you shall hearken. Well, a lot of people, including me, believe that that prophet that was raised up was um, was Jesus, Yeshua. And uh, so let's jump to what Yeshua had to say about this, okay? Now, Yahweh has a very strong liking and love for children. We mentioned that earlier. And he wants to protect them in any way he can. Uh, so anyway, in Mark uh, 10, 14, it says, when Jesus saw it, wait a minute, maybe I should explain. Okay. Mark 10, 13. And they brought a young child to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. In other words, he wanted to lay, they wanted him to lay hands on it, uh, on the child and bless the child. Usually it, it involved putting a hand on the head and just pronouncing a blessing. That's what was called touching them. Okay. But when Jesus saw it, he, it was, saw it, he was very much displeased and said unto them, suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not for such is the kingdom of heaven. Verily I say unto you, whoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as, as a little child shall not enter therein. And he took them in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. Okay. That, uh, that really touches me because it just shows the love that, that Yahweh has for children and that he wants us to be like children so that we can be more compliant. Um, you know, little children trust anybody and they, uh, you talk to a little child about God, they have no problem talking about Yahweh whatsoever, you know, and they love Yahweh once, when they know of him. So, okay, let's go to the next one. I don't want to take too much time here, but um, this is, um, again, talking about children. Okay, and he's talking, basically, he's, a, he's talking about the Jews, um, and he's referring to them as little children, but Again, he's making an inference to children in general. Um, and let's start at 18.1. This is Matthew 18.1. <clears throat> and uh, let's see. At the same time, came to the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? <laughs> I don't know. It just is amazing that they had that argument. And Jesus called a little child unto him and said to him, said to him in the midst of them, and he said, Verily I send to you, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, the same shall be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever shall receive one, such a little child in my name, receiveth me. But whosoever shall defend, but whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it were better for him 
that a millstone were hanged around his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. So, again, he's saying that children are so important to him, not just children, children, but those who believe in him, that anybody that messes with them basically should hope that they would drown in the midst of the sea rather than incur the the wrath that God will someday bring against them. So um, Yahweh is very, very partial to children. He loves them. And uh, because that's what he wants you and I to be. Uh, remember when we were young, we used to play on the playground. We had no cares in the world, except that maybe we'd get home a little late and our parents would be mad at us. Um, but basically we, we put our trust in our parents, our mother or father or mother and father. And, um, and we didn't have a care in the world. We knew that we'd be fed. We knew that, you know, that if anybody messed with us, the, our father would go get them. Our mother would always uh, try to lift us up and, sh- and show us how much that she loved us and that the, the, the couple, the mother and father loved us. And, uh, and it was a wonderful existence. Now, some of you may have not have experienced that, but you will in the future. And you probably will now if you, if you know Yahweh. Um, so, Anyway, I just wanted to bring those few things up before we uh, we close out and um, come to an ending here. But um, it's really been pretty awesome being with you tonight and to look at this and to to realize that no matter what happens here on earth, that God will take Yahweh will take care of us, um, and that He has a profound love for little children. So all the child molesters out there. And all the <clears throat> the people that treat uh, children cruelly cru- with cruelty, and um, and treat them as slaves and everything else. Well, there's a day coming when the children will be satisfied, and those people will be. Well, I don't even want to think about their fate because it was described as uh, weeping and crying and gnashing of teeth, and um, that's pretty bad. So. Anyway, folks, thanks for being here. Um, I hope that you got ministered to or you might have learned something. I did several things. And uh, uh, we'll be back on Monday for sure, but um, uh, might come back a day, one or two more shows before Monday. i uh, got to get everything in we can before, you know, the, the restrictions come on us with uh, with our, our um, Internet availability. So um, anyway, be blessed. Have a good night, a good week, and if you don't come in the next few nights, and um, and have a blessed weekend. And as I always say at the end, may God bless you and keep you. May he make, may he make his face shine unto you and be gracious to you. May he watch your going out and coming in, your rising up and your lying down, and may he bring you peace in Yeshua's holy, precious name. Amen and amen. Good night, dear people. <clears throat>